we've been, uh, of course, moving right along in the book of Romans, I think, every Wednesday, except one, maybe we deviated from it, maybe two, when we had a guest here. Um, Brother Curtis, uh, again, will be preaching next, next week, but he's going to be presenting their, the ministry and and uh, uh, there that all that all that they do, I really want you to be praying for them. There, uh, where are you going this this weekend at Fort Smith and then Rogers, Arkansas? Okay, and then they're they're actually going to be coming back to our our home on uh, I guess Monday or somewhere Wednesday. Okay, so coming back and then going to be preaching here Wednesday. So, um, but. They're going to be with us for the next couple of days. Please be praying about it. We're going to be planning, working on our, our missions conference. And I haven't even decided when exactly we're going to have it. Uh, just know that we need one. We need to have one. And, and uh, you know, uh, God blesses a missions-minded church. He really does. I think it's part of the reason God's continued to bless this church through through the 40 years of it is because it's been missions-minded. We are, uh, And just so you know, too, we're working right now to get... Uh, the pictures of our missionaries redone. Uh, we've done redone the the um, um, frames for them and all that, so we're getting that all put back up. Uh, I think Brother Rogers said uh, maybe what in the next couple of weeks, or I'm not sure when spring break is. You said you'd have that two weeks. Okay, so probably by by maybe in the end of three weeks. Uh, we may, we're, if you look at the picture out here, we'll, we're hoping to get our welcome center and our little bookstore, bookshelf out there that's going to be uh, out there, and that'll all be ready. We're hoping to have it all ready for Easter, amen, so uh, uh, looking forward to that. And uh, all right, so look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 12, we're going to kind of move back and then and uh, kind of bring ourselves forward. We actually covered these verses a little bit. We're going to go back a little bit. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12 is where I begin to read. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the... that. Uh, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield, you, yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless uh, what we say and do here tonight. Holy Spirit of God, guide my mind. Uh, Father, I yield myself to thy spirit, and I ask you please to fill me and to use me and anoint me to, to, to say what needs to be said. Dear God, uh, this is not just information, and this is not just a lesson. This is, this is uh, the, the truth of the word of God that changes lives, that, Lord, if we grasp it just to read it, should do something to our heart. And, Lord, I pray that please tonight that you would bless and you would guide my mind and my heart as I direct, uh, as I teach these words that, that I've prepared. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this passage that we just read, we see the deliverance from sin. This is, you know, of course, we, this is a familiar passage, verse 23. If, you're, if you've ever uh, witnessed anybody or, you know, if you've gotten saved, you've probably read it. And so, uh, uh, but this passage is, it, we see the deliverance of sin. Sin was king. And we've talked about this because God talked about it a lot. But, but sin was, was king and now is defeated and what we're going to initially talk about is kind of three categories to, to, to consider about this deliverance that we have now. I mean, we were, we were under this bondage. We were under the, the uh, kingship of sin, and now we are free from sin, and now we have a new king. Amen? If you're saved here, then you, you'll be set free. But now, uh, there's three things to consider in this deliverance, so to speak, that we, that we have. Now, number one, it's it, this, the physical part of this. You say the physical part? Yeah, the physical. If you look at verse 12, and the reason I'm going back on this a little bit, verse 12, it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It also says in verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 25 through 27. He says, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we incorruptible. And listen to what he says, I therefore so run that... Not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He says, not as one that shadow boxes. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself uh, should be a castaway. He says, Paul's saying, you know, there's a physical part of this thing. And we've got to understand that God has set us free, and he said, that, that sin doesn't rule you anymore. It has no power over in you anymore, uh, but there's a physical part here. You've got to be willing to fight the battle that Paul's talking about. You've got to be willing to take a stand against the sin, the temptation. You know, you know, listen, let me tell you, the moment temptation comes into your mind, you need to fight it right then. You don't need to let it dwell there. You don't need to let it stay there. You don't need to contemplate it. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to stare at that picture for, for two or three or four seconds. You need to say, ma'am, that don't need to be here. Get it out of your mind. And you need to immediately start to battle that thing and fight that thing. I've told so many, I've counseled so many uh, there at the college, but, uh, uh, brother, I, I, I've just, uh, I, I've had them sit across my desk and they've been addicted to this or addicted. And I said, you know, here's, here's one thing you've got to do. I understand. And I'm going to tell you that none of us are, are, are perfect and all of us have to battle some things. But what you've got to do and learn, you've got to learn to fight this thing immediately. You got to get you got to get a little bit mad, amen, and say, "Look, I don't want it, dear God. Take it out of my mind. I don't want it." 
It's gone, 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 gone. I don't want it. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying you, you, you've got to keep under your body and bring it into subjection, under subjection, lest that by any means, he says, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He's saying just point blank, we're not, none of us are above this. Anybody could fall if we play with sin. If we allow the thoughts to go in our mind, you may be, uh, you know, I, I do a lot with, with the sports and parallels there, but you may be given a gym membership. Anybody would like to have a gym membership? You know, you know, you, know, you sell gym memberships to people that will never use them. But you may be given a gym membership. You may have someone else that is willing to pay the whole bill. And that's a wonderful way to get a gym membership. You may even be given a key to the gym to come in anytime you want. You may be given access to every good thing to eat with that membership. Every bit of equipment, food, even a trainer is provided. But if you won't get off the couch and go to the gym, you will continue to be weak and out of shape. No matter, it doesn't matter if everything's been provided for you. If you won't get up and do something... It's not going to do you any good. And, and I'm telling you, you could go all around this, this town right here and you could find thousands of people that signed up for gym memberships. And they used them one time. That was the one time they went in and signed up. And next, next is the spiritual aspect of this. If we go to the gym and, and determine to get stronger and healthier and in better condition... We may make some progress, but we will never be able to do what we could do with a trainer, with somebody who has a training manual and somebody who has the ability to guide us and direct us. You know, that would be wonderful, especially in the, the all that I've been through, my, you know, the surgeries and everything I've been through. One of the reasons that I'm really struggling to recondition it all is because I don't know what I can do. You know, if I had a trainer, if I went to somebody and I said, okay, here's the problem. They dissected my whole abdomen, so what can I do? What can I do to, to strengthen my body? What, can I do this? You know, a person who's been trained could look at me and say, no, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. Do this. You know, there's a spiritual aspect to this thing. Your moral resolve will weaken somewhere along the way. If you just say, okay, I'm going to do this on my own through my own determination. You know, I said it's physical, so you've got to get up off the couch and go. But if you go to the gym thinking it's, that, that you're going to do it, you're going to go out there and you're going to walk over to a weight bench and you're just going to throw on whatever weights you're going to throw on and you're going to go and throw some, you maybe lift a few times and you're going to walk over here and lift something else and then you're going to walk over here and do something else and you're going to, none of it's going to really benefit you because you're not doing it right. You know, you've got to have guidance you say, well, who's going to guide me? He's called the Holy Spirit. He, he's, got, he's got this incredible workout book. It's got all the procedures. It's got everything in it. And so it, it's, you must have spiritual strength. That's why he says, listen to this. It says, neither, verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But he says this, But yield yourselves unto God. 
You know, so many times we gloss over things, and I'm going to mention another one or two of these in this passage, but, but we, we see this, we say, neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. And we see, that's the physical. No, you know what? I've got to, I've got to fight sin, and I just told you to, because you do, that initial step. But watch this, you won't make it fighting it alone. You got to look and say, dear God, I've got to have your help. Father, drive it out of my mind. I'll tell the Lord, cleanse my mind. If there's a thought, there's an image, there's something that comes into my mind. And listen, you can't hardly go anywhere right now where something's not going to slap you in the face. I wish I could say it's not going to happen, but, but anywhere you go, there's, there's going to be some picture, some image, some thing, somebody. And, and, and look, you got immediately, the physical says, you know what, I don't want this Secondly, you've got to say, God, cleanse it. We must yield to God for anything else is our own strength and power. And, and that may last for a while, but it'll always play out. I, and I, I had, uh, you know, when I worked back at the college, there was a, a, a fellow that he would always say, and it was kind of cliche with him, he would always say, man, uh, he, he said, there's no such thing as burnout. There's no such thing as burnout. There's no, you know, he said, I get tired of people saying he's just burned out. There's no such thing as burned out. Let me, let me help you. Death is the ultimate burnout. Okay? And, and probably everybody in here is going to die. So, you, look, if anything that's done in the physical will burn out. Now, I understand what he's saying. If he, you know, if you're yielded to God, I, 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 mean, I can mount up with wings as eagles. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not faint. Uh, you know, man, I, I, can, I can make it. But that's if I have the power of God. But you do it in the physical, you will burn out. You can try this. I mean, you may do really, really well. And watch this. This is what happens in churches. Uh, you'll see somebody, and man, they're active. They're involved. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're just saying, man, that, that is one of the best Christians I've ever met. They're involved. They're just, and man, they're teaching this. They're doing that. They're running bus rides. They're, they're all, all kinds of places. And all of a sudden, one day, gone. And you think, man, was there some kind of secret sin that we didn't know about? No, a lot of times it's not. You know what it was? They were doing it themselves the whole time. And at some point, that's going to, it's going to burn out. At some point, they're just going to stop. Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. This little phone thing keeps hanging in my beard. It just gets stuck there. The, uh, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. God say, it's such a, a great statement. God says, if you faint during the trials and during the temptation, during the attacks, if you faint, if you give up, he said, thy strength is small. Do you know what he's saying is? If you fainted, it was your strength. You see, because he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So if I can't do it, I was doing it in my strength. You okay with that? Yeah, just every once in a while, grunt, do something. I'm going to get you all to respond eventually. Just, ladies, 
Get a handkerchief. Something. There you go, Ava. Come on, wave it, Ava. Amen. Uh, Living for God in the flesh means you're destined for a fall. You will weaken through adversity, and adversity comes for all. Adversity is coming to everybody, and if you are going to weaken in adversity and you're going to fall during the adversity, it's going to come for everybody. So that means everybody's going to fall if we do it in our own flesh. We've got to get a hold to God. That's, that's one of the reasons why we're clearing out Sunday morning the, the auditorium for Sunday school because I want people to, to feel comfortable to come in here to spread out and to get on their face and pray. You know what? Uh, it, we all need God. We need His Spirit. We need His power. We need His strength. So often we quote James. Listen to this now. Think about this. We quote James saying, resist Satan and he will flee. We even teach our children the song, resist Satan, resist Satan, and he will flee. It's, it's true, right? Resist Satan, resist Satan, he will flee. Here's the problem. We don't read the requirement in the rest of the verse. The verse says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist Satan, and he will flee. Watch this, folks. He won't flee you and me. Go ahead and resist him. Say, look, devil, I don't want you here. Guess what? He don't care what you got to say. That's why everything we do has got to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why everything we do has got to be done in the authority of Jesus Christ because he won't flee us. Watch, if we submit to God, though, he's got to go. The third principle, I suppose you could call it, is that we must believe the Word of God. Verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Look at verse 14. Sin, for sin shall not have the dominion over you. We must believe God's word over our emotions, believe God's word over our fears, believe God's word over the word of the world, whatever they say. We've got to believe the word of God. God's word says that as a Christian, sin shall not have dominion over you. Look, then you say, well, then, Brother Hooker, why do I keep falling? I think we're just talking about it uh, because we haven't done the physical, we haven't done the spiritual, and we haven't believed God when he said that it doesn't have to have dominion over you. So I just can't get away from it. Yes, you can. If you're saved, it has no dominion over you. Verse 15, then it says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to barely make it through the review. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, know ye not that to whom ye, sh- ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. He says, you know, I made a mold for you, this, 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 this form of doctrine, this truth that I've given to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. When we're made free from sin, God says, now ye are ruled. You're going to be, you've got a king now, but it's the, the king of righteousness. 
Now, we covered this last week, but we have to be set free. We have, we have been given a spiritual emancipation proclamation, so to speak. This freedom is not a license. Let's get this now. This freedom is not a license of sin. Clearly, this freedom is so that we can finally live righteously. That's this whole confusion over this thing of grace. This is not a freedom. It's not the grace to sin. It's the grace to live righteously. It's the power of God. It's God who reigns now who allows us to live according to his righteousness. We were unable in our flesh to resist Satan and sin. We were in captivity, but now we are set free. Not set free. Listen, it's not set free to live as we please, but set free to live a life pleasing to God. God said, look, I I took you out of bondage. You're not in bondage to sin anymore. He said, I'm your king now. I'm going to enable you to live the way you want to live and I want you to live. You say, I want to live? Yeah, if you've got any sense at all, you want to live God's way because that way, we're going to find out, is the way of fruitfulness. Now, verse 18 says, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. This freedom that we have been giving is more than just a selfish, self-pleasing liberty, but it should bring a new loyalty a new life. See, so many think this freedom is liberty. Really, what this freedom gives us the opportunity, it gives us a new loyalty. I was loyal to sin because that was my king. Now I have a new king. And he's righteous. And he's perfect. And I want to serve him. Now I say, I, as a Christian, we as Christians... That's what God's made, a, a, made us to do is to serve him. Verse 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, but as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. And, and you know what? It, it, he even goes further. He says, look, yield to righteousness, which is going to lead you to holiness. That's a stronger term. It's not that we should be doing less. We should be doing more. But it's not more out of our flesh. Remember, it's not us. It's not more out of my flesh. It's not more for me to look and say, look how good I am. It's not more for me to say, I'm better than somebody else. It's more because Almighty God says, I'm in you, and I have dominion over you. I've given you power to do what I've commanded you to do. You didn't have that power anymore. You can do all things. You know what? You can't. All things would include the Ten Commandments. All things would include the, 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 the truths, the principles, the, 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 the Word of God. He says, you can. Now you can. You couldn't before, but you can now. He said, verse 24, when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Notice that when we were servants of sin, we were free from righteousness. What he says there, when we were servants of sin, we were free from righteousness. Righteousness was not a part of our life. Now, reason with me. If you did not have or live righteously while you were under the dominion of sin, 
Should that not tell us that if you continue to live as you did while you were under the dominion of sin, but you're now under the dominion of righteousness, the dominion of Christ, that something's wrong? If nothing has changed, and that's what our world is saying today, come to Christ, stay as you are. We used to say, just as I am without one plea. Yeah, well, you come that way just like you are. You come to Jesus just like you are. Because can, can I help you? You're under the dominion of sin. You've got a king, and, and you're going to have to come just like you are because you can't make yourself better. So, but when you come to the Lord, now you don't have to remain that way. We were not set free to be able to just live however we want to live and say, okay, grace is, God, God's not, God doesn't care about this and God doesn't care about that and all you are is about don't do this. I'm not about that. I'm about knowing God and watch this. When you know God and learn his word, he starts teaching you some things. And they're not things to hurt you. They're things to make your life better. Do you understand that everything, every truth, do you understand even, and I've said this before, but the, the Ten Commandments were not written down there so somebody can take and beat you over the head with it. They were given out of the love of God. Because he knows when you live in sin and violate those things, and watch, God didn't do away with them, and I've, gone, I've been through this so many times, but, but Jesus didn't do away with the law. He came to bring the, the truth. And you know what? And the Scripture says, thy law is truth. You understand? He, he came to bring grace. Jesus brought grace and truth. Watch this. Okay, he did bring grace. He also brought truth, folks. He brought truth. And you know what? The, thy law is truth. He didn't do away with the law. He just said, I'm going to give you the strength to obey the law. You know, when I was a little bitty kid, my dad, you know, if he stuck a post hole digger in my hand and I'm, I'm six years old, I'm probably not going to get much of a hole dug. I might get, be missing a toe, but I'm not going to get much, much of a hole dug. But, you know, I can't remember specifically this, but it's things like this. But I just imagine probably the first time I ever grabbed hold of a postal digger, there was probably some hands above mine. What you think? There was probably some big old hands above mine. They were going to help me get it up, help me put it down, help me dig the hole. I'm not, truth is, I couldn't do it myself at all. But he could do it through me. And that's what we have to understand. His grace, he made us free. He he freed us. Yes, grace has made us free from sin. Do you understand what they were set free from? It's not free that there are no rules now. You know, it's free from sin and free from that ruler, that king, <laughs> that is sin. 
This whole passage is really about change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What in you has changed? Or what desire has changed? Let's just do a little bit of a self-check. And, and listen, I understand everybody moves at different speeds. I, 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 I cannot, listen, I never question anybody's salvation. I, I, I don't do that. You know, your answers may cause me to, to wonder. You know, if, if I say, well, I won't go into that. We don't have time tonight. But, but, but I don't question your salvation because you haven't changed something that I think you should have changed. And I have people, I mean, I've had people over the years, and then preachers who say, bless God, you know, when I got saved, I gave up all of that. I gave up smoking, I gave up drinking, I gave up running around, I gave up this, I've never touched another cigarette, I've never done this, I've never, and I'm thinking, that's great, man, but I guarantee you there's something you still do. There's something you didn't give up, you just got you got just selective memory. You're just not reciting that one. There's something still there. And I understand that it may take you away. And look, it, it was, there's several things that, that almost happened immediately for me. Not, you know, but there was other things that took months, and there was other things that took years. So I can't look at anybody and say, you haven't come at this same speed or this thing, or, and, and please be careful of doing that. We can't do that. But you know, I'm asking you, since you got saved, has there ever been a moment where something was kind of like a hot iron that stuck in you? Said, I don't need to be doing this. I don't need to be going there. I hate it every time I do this. And look, I'm not, I don't want anybody to doubt their salvation, but, but if that never occurs to you, and never happens to you, and everything that you did before you got saved, you're still good with after you got saved? We need to look at our salvation. Now understand, you still could be saved. It just might have been that you just quenched the Holy Spirit to the point that you just said, look, I ain't listened to you so many times that he ain't talking. Because I, I can tell you, I can remember sitting at my table when my daddy threw up his hands one time when I was about 14 years old and said, ain't no need to talk to you, boy. You know too much. You don't remember that, do you? He's, just, he's thinking, which time? And, it, and you get to the point that that's what God will do. God will say, okay, I'm not talking to you right now. I'm going to let you keep going in your own way. And you know what? Your own way is going to bring you some pain. And then you know what we're going to do? Most of the time we go turn back and go, why God let this happen to me? God didn't. You did. Because he kept trying to tell you, don't go there, don't do that, don't say that, don't take that, don't drink that. He kept trying to tell you that, and now you all messed up, you're in jail. Hello? Now you done wrecked your car. Now you done wrecked your life. I don't understand. If there's a good God, why would he let this happen? 
He didn't. He told you not to do it. You just didn't listen. Just didn't listen. I had a boy at college. He came to me and he said, I'm quitting college. And I looked at him and I said, son, we talked for a while and I won't go into all the details, but I looked at him and I said, son, don't do this. And it was one of those times where just like the Holy Spirit just, just slapped me. But I mean, this boy can't go. And I looked at him and I said, look, I don't tell everybody they got to stay, but I'm just telling you, you're not leaving for the right reason. You're angry. And I said, the truth is, I can't even tell what you're angry about. You're just angry. And I didn't do this all the time, but I just began, a tear came over my eyes, and I said, son, please, I'm begging you, don't go. Don't do this. He just kept getting more and more red-faced, and all of a sudden he jumped up and he slammed his feet, his, his hands on my desk, and he just slammed his hands down. And he said, leave me alone and let me go. I looked at him, I said, son, I can't make you stay. I'm scared to death if you leave. I may never see you again because I'm not sure you're going to live. Three weeks later, he ran his truck head on into a tree on a road that he knew at his home I'm not going to say he killed himself because I don't know. I wasn't in the car with him. But he knew the road. He knew the place. He knew everything. And he never put on the brakes. He just rammed his truck into a tree and killed himself. You know, if God's trying to speak to you, that's a good thing. I always, I always laugh when somebody comes to me doubting their salvation. And I say, why are you... Man, I keep doing this, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do that, and I know I should. I think, hey, you better tell me about when you got saved because it sounds like you did. Because before I got saved, I didn't care what I did. I shouldn't say this because I don't want my daddy to hear, but, you know, I boxed a little bit, but when I went to college, those first two and two and a half years of college, I fought more out of the ring than I did in the ring. I was a mess. This is a terrible story. I don't even hate to even know it, but I, I was right here in Memphis when a buddy of mine came walking out of an establishment where I was a protector. I think they call them bouncers. Um, and he came running back in. He ended up playing pro football. His name was, I won't say his name. I think he's become a Christian too. So he came running back in and, and he's holding his arm. And his arm was sliced open. And I, I looked at him and I called his name and I said, what happened to you, man? And he said, that guy cut me. And he said, he's in a truck. And, and I ran outside and these two guys were a uh, driver was already in the truck, and a guy was dive, dive, jumping in the, the passenger side of that truck. And, in the part, and I ran to the, 
to that passenger side and reached through it. I grabbed the guy through the window and started trying to pull him back through. And he fell back and he kicked me through the window, kicked me in my chest. When he did, I grabbed hold to his ankle and the driver got so scared he floored it. And I was skiing across the parking lot. When I turned loose of that leg, it was pointed the wrong direction. He said, Brother Hooker, are you glory in that? No, that was sin. Here's what I'm trying to say. It didn't bother me. Only thing that bothered me is that I couldn't pull him out of the truck. That's all that bothered me. Years later as a Christian, I was out soul winning and I got in a fight. Soul winning and I got in a fight. It'd be, it'd be bad enough if it was just one time, but my first year of school, it was about four times. I'm thinking, this don't happen to nobody else. They used to teach us the five steps to heaven. They used to joke, Hook has his five steps to heaven. And I split a guy's head open one night. Now, I have to admit, he was trying to kill me, but, but I split his head open. You can ask my wife. I couldn't sleep. I'm supposed to be winning people to Christ. And I'm out here, I got people that hate Christians because I'm popping them in the head. I couldn't sleep. I'd lay down and I'd cry. You know why? I'd say, God, how could you ever use me? Everything that I've learned about the Bible and, and, and a preacher, I'm completely opposite to what I'm supposed to be. If something happens different when he comes in. And just remember, I'm not too old to throw, uh, anyway. <laughs> this new life brings a new quality of life, and I'll be done. I said to sailor boards for years that God not only gives you an eternal life, but in, that, in this life, the opportunity for a life worth living. And that's what he tells us. He says in verse 21, what, what fruit had ye then? And those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For into those things is death. He's saying... What fruit did I have back then before I got saved? He said, what good was this? How did this help anybody? He said, everything that you were doing was going to end up one way, death. In the old life, all that I had awaiting me was death. There's no fruit, no productivity, no lasting success in life, in this life of sin. No, the end is always and only death. But verse 22 says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and 
the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, this new life is fruitful, productive, lasting. Matter of fact, it's everlasting. Sin is eternal death, but life in Christ is eternal life. And along the journey of this eternal life, we, have a, we, we are to have fruit unto holiness, which makes a life worth living. And that's what he's teaching us in chapter 6, and we finish chapter 6. Go on to chapter 7. You all excited? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. I I love your enthusiasm, your excitement, your incredible intensity. Thank you for your amens and your encouragement. God bless you. Should we pray? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless our service.